0: Have you ever read a book seen a movie or listened to a song and felt like there was something about it that someone wasn't telling you and have you ever been alone and had that weird feeling that someone or something is watching these are the things director rodney asher explores in his films room 237 and the nightmare hi i'm Parker romaine george chen and i sat down with rodney to talk about his career his films and something called kiki wipes here's part one of our interview and we'll follow it up with part two next week So, we're
1: here in Los Angeles with Rodney Asher. Hi, Rodney. Hey, man. How's it going, guys? Yeah, and you've got a cat on your lap. I do. hear big fluffer.
0: I hear his name is Lloyd. Lloyd Mosby. (laughs) He was an outfielder for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Okay. uh, Or no, Toronto Blue Jays, and then the Detroit Tigers. So, I thought when I first moved in, I thought his name was Lord Mosby, because he's kind of fat and gouty, but... Then I really I found out different. Yeah, but you're telling uh, you're just talking about living in San Francisco. Did you were you f- making films when you lived in San Francisco?
2: Yeah, making a lot of shorts and, and doing a lot of animation. I was working with uh, uh, with a, with a partner, uh, Sid Guerin, and we were actually um, we were doing a lot of stuff. There were like a there were a pair of digital film festivals that were traveling around back then because this was like the late 90s early zeros Mm -hmm. um and we were doing a lot of experiments with digital animation i think the the most notorious one we did was called somebody goofed which was a very literal um adaption of the jack chick um um, comic tract yeah oh yeah that's cool I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah, it's around. It's around. You may have to dig a little. You may you may have to dig a little bit. But or, but there's actually a DVD called Hot Chicks, where there are nine different adaptations of um, Jack Tr- Chick tracks. And me and Sid teamed up for two of them. Somebody goofed, and we had gone our own ways by then. But we reunited to um, do a version of mm-hmm. Jack Chick's Titanic.
1: Mm-hmm. And the and the kind of animation you're doing. So it's like early late '90s. Like what kind of programs is? And lots of After Effects stuff. After Effects. You know,
2: we were we were we were really early in the um, movement of making two dimensional photos look three dimensional by oh, layering right. them into sort of paper dolls. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, we were we
1: were big at, we, we 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 were we were into that before it was cool so like scanning stuff and then figuring out how to like articulate the joints yeah and kind things. of making
2: yeah. you know, jointing jointing them at the elbows and at the head yeah. and oh yeah like that's you cool. would you would cut a photograph into layers and then find ways to replace the gap so that you could both have the objects move around and you could do sort of a three dimensional depth and uh-huh. move
1: a virtual camera around it. Did you start with? Um, actual 2D like cutouts and when I mean the yeah, well, style before this
2: no actually the well you know before that you know we had done live action we had done a um, we did a black-and-white prison drama with sock puppets about <laughs> the early career of um, of um, Henry Lee Lucas oh. um,
1: I know the name. Who is that? Again? He, they,
2: he was the he was the guy that the, whose story they told in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> and we we did, we
2: did a version of because he was in prison for a while and then he got released uh-huh. um, just because of prison overcrowding, mm-hmm. and like no joke, he says to the warden, "I'm not rehabilitated. If you release wow. me, I will kill again." And they released him, and he killed again. Wow. wow. And you made a
0: short out of sock puppets.
2: Yeah, well, we, we built this you know, big prison set. My wife's an architect, and she built this beautiful foam core prison set. Um, and there's actually a, a big influence on that film was um, Todd Haynes' Superstar.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the Barbies. Um, the Barbie yeah. the thing Carpenter that he did thing, yeah. with uh,
2: Karen Carpenter. You know, that was and,
1: huge when that came out. I mean, for an underground video. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's, it's such an incredible movie. Um, But, you know, for a lot of reasons, but, you know, what I really loved is there's kind of a joke about how it's set up, but after a while, that whole process becomes invisible and you're just watching... You're invested in... ...this tragic story, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to say that um, our sock puppet prison drama is (laughs) as, you know, significant and successful a a short as Todd Hayne's Superstar, but... You know, part of our ambition was that, okay, yeah, it's funny to see, you know, pu- sock puppets acting badly, um, but let's see how quickly we can just kind of forget that they're sock puppets and treat it seriously and get mm-hmm. invested in it.
1: So going back with your story, so um, wh- did you go to school for filmmaking? where did you go to school? I, did,
2: I went to school in Miami, at the okay. University of Miami. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the U. Huh? The U. The U, yeah. You grew up
2: in Florida? I moved around a little bit. Uh-huh. My family moved there when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and back then I was working with Sid, who I did you know, those projects with, and another friend, Marco. And we were, we were as much into you know, like punk rock music videos as we were into mm-hmm. narrative film. Yeah. And so out of school, we were doing a lot of those kinds of projects. And then you know, I was drawing storyboards for TV commercials or kickboxing movies and doing a lot of production assistant work. Is there a lot of film work in Miami? In back then, and we're talking the 90s, yeah. it was largely TV commercials. Okay.
1: And oh, right, because people want the, the, the visual backdrop, probably, of all, like, the... Yeah,
2: well, you stuff. know, there's good weather year-round, yeah. kind of like L.A. Um, and uh, we were, and every once in a while, like, a big thing would come to town. You know, like, I, um, I auditioned to do the storyboards for um, Jim Carrey's The Mask. Wow, cool. I didn't get it, Um, but um, I did do them for a remake of Flipper that was directed by the guy who did um, one of my all-time favorite movies, um, Halloween 3. Oh, nice! Tommy Lee Wallace, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, you directed Halloween three and Flipper." And well, and he was doing Flipper, and this was, I think, I think now you know history has caught up with it, and the general public has come to realize what a timeless classic mm-hmm. Halloween three is. But back then, it was still you know not a, a shadow that I think he was a sketch, <laughs> trying to <laughs> escape from.
1: Yeah, I know Jim Carrey. I think Ace Ventura is also in Miami, right? Yeah, Did you know what? Shoot that Oh, you know what? It was Ace Ventura? It might have been Ace Ventura.
0: Right, because I witness Eyewitness that testimony is unreliable. <laughs> <laughs> and Ace Ventura is an amazing film. Yeah.
1: Were you around the music scene in Miami much? Did you ever go to, like, Churchill's?
0: Oh, I was there all the time. Okay. Well, and I did...
2: Me and Sid did, uh, did a lot of video projections behind um, Marilyn Manson when he was starting out. Did he start out in Florida? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, I think... I thought he was, like an Ohio kid for some well, reason. Well, he traveled... He, I think he was born in Ohio, but he was in... He was living, like, in... Fort Lauderdale or Boca Raton um, mm-hmm. and I, 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 there was a show he did I had done a Super 8 film loop for this local band called The Goods and I kind of taped it and then after they went on this guy comes on stage with one friend doing keyboards uh-huh. and he had a Marilyn Monroe t-shirt on uh-huh. that he had Written with like a magic, with like a Sharpie, Manson, and drew on like a swastika <laughs> on her forehead, and he had like a Barbie doll, like you do the hairdo, um, kind of uh, plastic head on a. Like uh-huh. on a microphone, st- like impaled on a microphone yeah. stand, and I'm like, "Well, this is interesting. <laughs> Can I film this?" And you know, I shot some high eight of it, which wow. I probably still have around, like mid '90s, mid '90s. Yeah, that um, sounds. Yeah. You know, and then me and Sid kind of befriended them, and we did all, and we were doing these crazy, you know, video projections and shot some old video wow. stuff. Um, back in the day, man. Yeah, you, awesome. you had to be you had
1: to be there. Was he in the full ma- makeup regalia at that point?
2: It was always the like it was. It, I haven't looked at this tape in twenty years. Yeah. Um, but it was always a theatrical experience, even mm-hmm. when you know his budget was fifteen dollars and the props you know came from Goodwill. Yeah. He was clear what his vision was. Oh yeah. You know and you know I think really out of anyone that I've ever that I've ever met. He's somebody who had such a clear idea of what he wanted to do and just methodically mm-hmm. like made it happen. Are you still in touch? No, I I haven't been in touch with him for 15 years. Uh-huh. S- really really since the first album came out, he kind of uh-huh. went off, he, you know, he kind of went off and yeah. you know, had his, had his whole adventures and I was in Miami for a while before I made it out to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
0: no, God love them.
2: Yeah. And when
0: awesome. you moved to San Francisco, did you work for ad agencies then, or did you do... I
2: did some... St- I did some... You know, we were uh, we were doing some stuff. We were, like, directing TV commercials back then, mm-hmm. you know, often stuff that had lots of graphics and animation in them.
1: Oh, that's mm-hmm. cool. Um, so you just kind of learned the technology early on, and you... We were storyboarding a lot? I you was storyboarding,
2: storyboarding and, stuff, yeah. and, and did some second unit stuff, and mm-hmm. me and Sid would do some of that together or some of it on our own, and mm-hmm. then we... Directed a, it was fun. Like we kept thinking that that was going to take off. Like we would do, a comm- like a video game commercial or something. Like and some of them would be kind of these cool, you know, kind of music video, kind of elaborate stuff. And then like another one wouldn't happen for like a year, Right. <laughs> like a year and a half. Yeah, you know. So um,
1: you know, double would find the double would find other work for our idle hands. And now, like I feel like it's funny. There was you can make music videos. On, and just throw them on YouTube, but I think the budgets must be smaller than they used to be.
2: Yeah, well, I guess it's a funny um, flip side of things. Uh, it, you know, it used to be that you could really make a good living making music videos; that there was a lot of money there. But anything other than the top top level would be impossible to see. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now you can uh, see it all. Now you can see it all, and yeah. even the you know really you know even the really lo-fi homemade stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think the, the I, I've been out of that world for a while, but mm-hmm. yeah I, I think the budgets have come way down.
1: but I think that's part of the challenge right like is trying to make a little make make a little stretch out to look like a lot like yeah. especially with like set although design. it's easier now,
2: you know yeah you, you know technology being what it is, and even you can shoot high definition slow-mo video on your phone right right you know it's you know it's more about it's more about you know the time that you put into it.
1: Is that you, Mama? Emily
0: really Lucas!
1: But, but I, I, I did I killed this you did not to me! No!
0: You no! I
1: always told you, no, you were Mama, destined I'm to sorry, die Mama.
0: like a dog! But, in prison. but I didn't mean it, Mama. Now, nah, Mama, listen didn't to me. Mean it. Oh, I want Mama. you to disobey the gods! I'm sorry, Mama. Hurt people! No, no, and kill no, yourself!
1: Kill please leave me alone! Kill yourself
2: Mama. for Mama,
0: Mama Henry! Kill yourself!
1: VR training platforms, like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International, are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
0: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
0: Was there a particular time that you can remember when you transferred from, like, hobby filmmaking to, like, this is my living, this is what I'm... Doing. Well, I mean, my cur- I've always made my living in the film business. Gotcha.
2: But... You know, sometimes it was you know storyboarding, you know, serial commercials, you know, and sometimes it was literally shoveling the crap that come that came out of an elephant on the set <laughs> of a phone book commercial. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, you know. So is that um, when the elephant stood on the phone book? No, it was. Or my making There, there, up? there was some spot, you know, I, I where to demonstrate something you know two elephants were playing tug of war with a phone book to rip it in half ah. and it was harder than you might think they had to first they thought the elephants could do it and they couldn't do it uh-huh. and they had to keep cutting away and cutting away they had and to cutting store away the book. Mm-hmm. but i think because of like the non union um <laughs> rules in florida at a certain point uh, at a certain point during the day they it was my job to bring the elephant to the set and i got to like spend some quality oh. time with <laughs> an elephant Yeah, you know and <laughs> like like play with, with a trainer this, yeah, I guess I don't, <laughs> you know what I I would uh, that's what would make sense in my memory. <laughs> there was no trainer. no trainer in my memory. I don't I don't see a it's trainer. It's a non-union. I shoot see. Then. I'm standing oh, yeah. in front of the elephant and I'm kind of playing with his trunk. Oh wow! Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> is, the, is is the way is 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 the way my neurons encoded it?
1: So but. so uh, when you moved to San Francisco, you're still doing this ad work. When did you make the? I guess do you see it as a transition into doing documentary? From doing uh, more, more like fictional well, animation stuff, or what do you say?
2: To me, it all blurs together, you mm-hmm. know. And two, three, seven, which you know came from the "S from Hell," which was like a documentary short I did before. You know, there, like I, I you know, I've all, i all, even when I was in school, I was doing projects where I was recutting archival footage, you know, to music or to different soundtracks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, you know, 237 is called a documentary for lack of a better word, but, you know, there's as much of an influence for me on, by people like Bruce Connor, who, mm-hmm. you know, San Francisco. Yeah. A San Francisco fine artist, you know, mm-hmm. film artist, you know, who, he, he worked in a, he he worked in a he did a lot of different things Yeah, he did some, photography also mm-hmm. yeah some of the most significant things were the collage films that he made you know mm-hmm. the probably the best known one being a movie mm-hmm. he also did a like a video for, a cut up video for um Devo and one for the Brian Eno um David Byrne album My Life in the Bush of Ghosts mm-hmm. America's Waiting it's incredible
1: mm-hmm. you know so oh Bruce Conner did that Bruce Conner did yeah. the video for I did not know he did a Devo video yeah I wonder what um, one that is it's not the the one with
2: Bougie Boy where he's like, yeah. Mongoloid where he's got the fork and the. It's from the era where he uh-huh. has the fork and the toaster. The Mongoloid era. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's like one that was the first big record, um, you know, and it's mostly cut up stuff. Mm-hmm. If I if I remember right, you know, and. You know, I'm also old enough to say cutups I, uh-huh. I like the well, the Williams Burroughs. Well, when
1: you started with yeah. VHS, then probably. Oh yeah, right. with, the, yeah. Two, with the, two VH, the two with the two VHS. yeah, I remember the yeah. Two doing the you double palm, deck. Yeah, yeah, you you, yeah. you yeah. it's like a, dubbing a tape, pretty much the same as dubbing. Tape. Yeah, your arts, yeah.
2: Well, that was really where I had my breakthrough in film school because, like, the first couple of you know straightforward live action projects I did were complete catastrophes. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I had a work study job in the law school where and there was usually nothing to do so it was literally a prison where me and three or four <laughs> guys had to sit in the office until
0: our slots were over i've had jobs you felt like that
2: and and there was literally literally uh, there was a Whiteboard in the office mm-hmm. where, where the, for the waiting list to sleep on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <in> place, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but I discovered they had a video editing set up. Oh, no. And we weren't doing any video editing in school. We were, you know, cutting film. Oh, right. you were cutting film. So yeah. I taught myself how to video edit. And I was just bring a brown, you know, uh, you know, a brown shopping bag, you know, full of. You know, like three dollar compilation videos of car crashes or you know World War Two scenes, uh-huh. and you know I'd lay down, a, you know, a Sonic Youth track or a, a Ministry song or something, yeah. and
1: you know I would. It's like that movie Tapeheads. Like
2: yeah, yeah like I, I would you know insert edit, you mm-hmm. know in in time, mm-hmm. you know the you know all my you know my favorite lurid videos, yeah. you know from my collection. It's and like DJing. Yeah, it's exactly. like kind of like making a mixtape. Well, and in fact, there was a, a club that we went to a lot, a music club, yeah. um, um, that, that was playing a lot of early industrial music. And okay. they had a big video screen, and they would show weird movies. And I, you know, t- talked to the DJ, and then I would bring in tapes and show, you know, like an hour or long of these yeah. collages, you know, that were supposed to go to particular songs, but could really... you know, it, 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 it could really play to anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I was doing something like the S from Hell or Room two three seven it was drawing as much from that right. as it was from, you know, mm-hmm. my idea of documentary and mm-hmm. I'm a fan of documentary but I d- going into those films, mm-hmm. I didn't have really any experience with that scene of filmmakers. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've come to I have gotten to know some of them um, in the time since, mm-hmm. but you know, previously I was coming from,
0: you know, another planet.
1: What inspired you to do S from Hell? Because I just watched <laughs> that one. I,
0: I just watched it, too. It's yeah. on Vimeo for anyway. Yeah, yeah. Else.
1: well, a couple things.
2: I had actually... There was an earlier documentary that I had started and, and abandoned. although um, well, there's like a couple of pieces that I've, I've kept as self-contained things um, about collectors, okay. about, you know, just really obsessive collectors. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the research for that, you know, and... I came across a guy who had a blog posting about his childhood phobia of the S of the Screen Gems logo.
0: Mm-hmm. That's amazing.
1: And which also looks like a 69. Yeah. And you didn't even bring that.
0: Did you think that, that at first? Yeah. Good, that, that yeah. No, but I'm not yeah. as sexually okay. warped as you, well, George Chen.
1: Yeah, it's six and a nine, though, but the shape of it. Yeah.
0: Well, it looks like a yin-yang, which
2: is uh-huh. oh, 69, yeah, yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I read this guy's blog posting... You know, it was like time travel. You know, I was three years old and I was sitting on the rug in my grandparents' house, you know, watching four hours of TV on a Sunday morning and Mm -hmm. being kind of confused by like that first wave of like proto computer graphics, that early video animation, like the Electric Company. Yeah. Oh, right. You remember
0: when like the the Today show had this like weird, it almost looked like. Uh, I don't know. It was like a, a a wipe, almost like it was. You it was you could see the 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 letters of the Today Show all like look like an LSD trip. Mm-hmm.
2: That's awesome. I don't think I know that one in particular, but it's the kind of thing. Yeah, I don't that, know what, what what you would call that. But well, it might have been. There's a there's a, there there's a machine that they used, and that like the, this one did. Like the logo for Battle of the Network Stars, oh yeah, um, and like a lot of TV news, where there'd be like this kind of like disco animation of helicopters and like a city that would have like this laser edge oh, of yeah. The silhouette. Yeah, that kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of graphics. And they called that the um, scanimation. Ah,
0: scanimation.
2: And there was this machine. and I found a documentary on it online that I bought a, a, a DVD. Um, there's a company called Image West who was out here and the machine was like you know as big as this apartment <laughs> yeah. and the con- you know it had you know more controls than a 747 and you would kind of guys would cut like like some kind of film um elements with an exacto blade and they'd put it under glass and they'd take an image of it and it would get into the thing's memory bank and then you could like move things or you could you could move the layers and change the colors with like faders and Mm. you know all sorts of analog controllers yeah so it has a combination of digital analog digital analog and hard edges and you can feel the human touch what was a toaster Video oh, toaster? Video oh, toaster. video toaster is awesome. What was yeah. yeah, what yeah. was it? Video vid- toaster was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, and I
2: oh, oh, go online and do a I'd go on YouTube and look for the Amiga video toast. I think it ran on an Amiga, did it? The video toaster was a an early. This is early '90s. It might have been. Might have gone back to the late '80s. Mm-hmm. It was a like a video graphics. Um, um, Computer, and it was a big deal because both so nerdy before the video toaster. <laughs>
1: it's a podcast, or, it's fine. Yeah. Sim- or,
2: simul- or simultaneous to the video toaster, uh-huh. you know, there was like the, um, uh, what was it called? The Chiron.
0: Oh, right, Chiron. Like
2: yeah. there were these, you know, to do graphics for a television show. You would sit in a room that looked like the bridge of the enterprise huh. uh-huh. and you would pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour to watch a guy like click through like the half dozen fonts that they right. had loaded mm. on the machine yeah. and say, and then which of these 12 colors do you want it to be? <laughs> yeah. right. And the Video Toaster did all that stuff on a desktop. Okay. Mm. And it came in with like these early like transitions so you could do like the wipes like Star Wars. Um mm-hmm. and, you know, man, fans of the video toaster would get <laughs> real would, would 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 feel a lot of nostalgia for it. they called them Kiki Wipes. Okay. Because there was this woman who was a superstar in the um video toaster scene.
0: <laughs> of course. <That's laughs>
2: and great. her name was Kiki, her last name might have been Stockholmer or something like that. <laughs> and she's in she's really inter she was a really interesting person because she was like, a, and again, this is the way I think I remember it. Um, she was both, you know, an engineer who designed all this software. But she was also kind of a model, like a fashion model. And oh, she had wow. like you know, like beautiful long red hair mm-hmm. and she was always like super, super stylish. Mm-hmm. So she would film herself in silhouette Like, almost like a James Bond girl, like, wiping across the screen or, like, kicking up with her legs as Uh transitions between
1: different layers of video. Oh, wow. (laughs) That look, yeah, that James Bond thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: you know, only be like a purple video, like, kind of Uh lo-fi video silhouette. that was a transition filter? Yeah, you know, so... A
1: woman silhouette. Yeah, Yeah, you know, so, you know, you're
2: watching, you know, image, you know, watching image A and then... A silhouette that's filled a, a silhouette of you know a woman kicking up with high heels mm-hmm. that's got image B you know that wipe would wipe yeah. through it uh-huh. to introduce the other shot oh yeah. wow you know video toasters would you know, people who had video toasters would tend to go a little overboard <laughs> with the transit, like right. every shot yeah. would have a you know every shot of your skate video or yeah. you know whatever would have this you know crazy or be all the the shots would get mapped onto a cube that tumbles. Roll oh yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. cuz yeah. you
1: could do it. Cuz that's one could. of those things where the technology is there just cuz you can do it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> right. Yeah,
2: well yeah. people always go a little bananas yeah. and it's it's hard to blame them. You can be a, like a kid in a candy
1: shop with a new toy. Well totally, yeah. And I think a lot of the the electric company people, if I'm not mistaken, those are like CalArts people. I think there's a huge animation department <laughs> oh, at CalArts. Oh, you Arts. know what? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so. I've never
2: made that connection. My wife went to CalArts. Okay. Yeah. Um and I know like that's where like the whole Pixar scene and Tim Burton comes from. there. Yeah, um,
1: and a lot of the people that worked on Star Wars, the early um, uh, special effects for oh, Star Wars, I think. I, th- I always came thought out of the, the Electric Company was out of New York for some reason. I don't
2: know why. But, but yeah. Well, Image West, who did the scanimation, did do some Star Wars stuff. Okay, I've got this great video where the dudes who run it are like in a gr- are sitting in these kind of space chairs, and they're green screened into outer space, and mm-hmm. they're dressing. It seems like a trade show, mm-hmm. and they and they're. It looks like they're addressing investors. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're like, you know, the future for this technology is going crazy. And every year we're getting bigger and bigger and better. And last year we worked on a little movie you might have heard of
1: called Star Wars oh. <laughs> it was like introducing the concept of a green screen to people, kind of right yeah or, well, just, or that hire their hire image West to do yeah, stuff. well you yeah. couldn't ju- they, those guys couldn't just shoot themselves yeah. in an office right. <laughs> or they had to, be,
2: they had to mm-hmm. be flying through outer space mm-hmm. um, you those they were pretty amazing, yeah. they look kind of like the music engineers and boogie knights. Oh yeah, like they they they, they 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 were they were really hip guys. So. Uh-huh, yeah,
0: they have little coke spoons on the end of their yeah, necklaces. Yeah, yeah,
1: you could you, i I could st- sense a little of that. So when did you move to L.A. and did you start making? Uh, did you make Esmeral before you moved to L.A. Or no, was I was already here. You Already down here.
2: Well, I was starting to spend more and more of my time here while we were still living in San Francisco and um, That sounds
1: familiar to us. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty much what we're doing. Yeah, that's yeah exactly well, what we're doing.
2: You know, and then at a certain point I was doing all my work here and my wife went to grad school at CalArts. Oh, yeah. So, um so so we made the move. To
1: do architecture, that's what she does. Yeah,
2: well she well Design. she, she mm. does architecture and fine art. Uh-huh. Oh, fine, um, yeah. So, um I think it was like two, two thousand one, two okay. thousand
0: two ish. A while ago, you yeah. Know, um, yeah, um, I know you have Josh Fadem. Oh yeah, Josh um, is amazing. Yeah, he did our podcast. Oh cool. Uh, we, we talked about the Up series. Michael Apted's Yeah 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 yeah. Uh, the Up series. Yeah. And, yeah. And you had Adomian, too, right? Yeah, I've done a couple things with him. He's great. I saw him in the credits, too, yeah. I
1: still saw Blaine Kapatch's name in the soundtrack for S from Hell. Well, the soundtrack from S
2: from Hell, I mean, everything... I did a video with Josh. He had this character um, that was kind of like a parody of Freddy Krueger in a way, (laughs) Um, where, you know, he was... uh, he was trying to be. He was presenting himself as kind of like a boogeyman. Mm-hmm. And only his way of scaring people was by reaching into a garbage bag and pulling out an old VHS tape and talking about how scary the movie was. <laughs> and we did a video of it. We did a we did a short for it that was um, um, kind of modeled on um, Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And this was a long time ago. Um, cause one of the things I did when I moved to LA, the UCB had just opened, and I was fascinated by. Um, you know their whole process. So, you know, I never had any ambition to be a performer, but I took a couple cl- a couple of improv classes to try to understand the theory, mm-hmm. and um, um, and just because it seemed like hey, I'm a fan of this stuff. It's a, and this is an amazing opportunity, um, mm-hmm. and that's and that's where I met Josh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we stayed in touch, and you know have done and have done a couple
1: things together, but. Mm-hmm. But Blanky Patch is also San Francisco. Yeah, well, comic
2: the thing someplace. about the that soundtrack, <laughs> the thing is the soundtrack in the held The music is a live recording of Blaine and Amit Idleman because they have a band called um, the Tulsa Skull Swingers. Oh, yeah, Ron Lynch is a drummer in that. right? That's right. Okay, and the idea was like. Josh performed his character before we did the video. I saw Josh perform his character um, at mm-hmm. Takes Tay, that um, steakhouse, the French plate restaurant on Sunset. T A I X. Okay. Um, there was a, they did a Tulsa Skull Swinger show. Um, That's a great name. And at a certain point, Josh came on stage and he did his character, and they played music behind uh-huh. and it was kind of like atonal like feedback and stuff yeah. mm-hmm. and it was important for me because I hadn't because we had talked about the character and we're trying to think about what the video was going to be like mm-hmm. and how much of a joke it should be or how seriously we should treat it and when I saw him do it with them and that they were playing music that was genuinely scary it sounded kind of like mm-hmm. you know the end of a Bauhaus song right. when it kind of dissolves into yeah. you know kind of noise um, you know, that that really suggested we should try to... T- that the more seriously we take it, the funnier it will be.
1: Which is also a role of improv. That's yeah. also one of the things about... Sure. Yeah, you learn in the improv world. Yeah. Um or at least UCB, yeah. So
2: we didn't wind up using it, but Josh recorded Blaine and Amit just making some of that music. Mm-hmm. Um, it was destined, it was recorded to be the soundtrack for Visions of Terror, that video that I did with Josh. Hmm. Um, didn't wind up making sense for it, mm-hmm. but I repurposed it for the soundtrack for The Us from Hell. Okay. So <laughs> so you, which, which, is yeah. a, which is a story that's gonna make sense to like three people. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but those three people might say, yeah. now I get it. <laughs> All right.
0: Screen Gems a subsidiary of Columbia Pictures, was formed in 1939, initially to release animated cartoons. For decades, its name was presented as if carved from marble alongside the Columbia Torch Lady. This title treatment followed every Screen Gems production, seemingly without incident. In 1964, the company was rebranded with a newly designed modern logo accompanied by an eight-note synthesized melody composed by Eric Sade. This pairing caused widespread fear and unease in an entire generation of TV-watching children. To this day, it's known as the S from Hell. You seem to be really good at finding people that have very specific, weird uh, things in their lives, like the the screen gems music oh. that makes them feel weird, or the room two thirty seven people with their opinions or mm-hmm. nightmare. How do you like? How do you do you, have, do? you do that yourself? Do you have a producer that does that?
2: Well, uh, you know, I did the S from Hell by myself. I found I found those guys. Um, for 237, um, I had a, a partner, a producer, Tim Kirk, and we researched, we researched, we researched, um, that together and, f- and found the people together. What was the impetus
0: to that? Like, how did you, <laughs> <laughs> like, how did, did, y- y- did yeah. it come from you? Like, I wonder if people think the Shining has no. ulterior motives, or did you, well, it actually, came from Tim,
2: found an essay that Jay Widener wrote, you know, the saying that the Shining is Stanley Cooper's confession for having faked the moon landing.
1: Okay. And so that is one of the people you interviewed. And he's in the film.
2: And I read that and I don't think he sent it to me thinking that there's a feature there is a um, a commercially releasable feature film <laughs> in,
1: <the laughs> in, this I- in this idea. Scorpio S- 1 or whatever that movie about you, faking the moon uh, was. Oh, I there's sh- like three of them
0: now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Did he call you and be like, I need you to sit down. I have a great idea.
1: Uh, no, I think
2: it, it, but I read it. And first I thought that it would be a good follow-up to the S from Hell, which mm-hmm. inexplicably got, got really, you know, kind of blew up for me. And it played at Sundance in 2010, S from Hell. It, yeah, 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, so first, I thought just doing that story might be a interesting follow up mm-hmm. to um, to the S from Hell. And, and like similarly, I read that story, and it kind of gave me the creeps. Uh-huh. And I kind of said, "Wow, now this makes sense." Um, <laughs> which part?
1: Well, you... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so do you, yeah, that was a big question. Is like, do you yeah. which uh, which theories do you feel you're never going to get a straight answer? You. Okay, from yeah, yeah. me about that. Yeah, yeah. But
2: <laughs> but I but I, uh, I, I I I read this idea, and it was, you know, it's probably late at night. And the thing about it is like, even what we show in the film, it's like four times more complicated than that. And there's at a certain point the accumulation of detail becomes really, really persuasive, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, one thing that we didn't have time to get into was the fact that um, let's see, how does this work? Um, Yeah. um, The two girls in the, the the two girls in the shining Uh um, were from the family that lived in the hotel before the Torrance's. Oh, right? immediately before the, they were the omen They were the Omen girls. Right. Another word for twin is Gemini, uh, and that was the mission uh, that preceded uh, Apollo. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh. You know, so there's like a half dozen more of those. Right, and that right, stuff yeah. starts to add up, and it gets really persuasive, and it's that you're teetering on the edge of, this can't be true, but maybe it is true. Yeah. What does right. that mean? Which yeah. is like all
1: conspiracy yes. theories. <laughs> That's kind of the basis for a lot of... Con- it's like knowing... To having uh, evidence that con- con- confirmation bias,
0: immersion critique. Have you heard that? I haven't. Yeah, that, that.
2: There's that amazing article that um, Chuck Klosterman wrote about 237. Was embar- and, and, yeah, um, and, and, I, and I think he used the word. If, if that's what you're talking about. Yes,
0: that's the, I read that review. It was really good. <laughs> I'll say. Yeah, he really. <laughs> yeah, yes. th- thank you, th- thank you, Chuck. Yeah, he really loved. He really loved room 230, and it was. I, I read before that the um i'm not pointing to anything um I, before that review i read um roger ebert's um and then i think slate magazine
2: yeah well ebert himself didn't write it didn't didn't write a review right.
0: which, is, website, which is which is too
2: it. bad because yeah. i did he, he mentioned it um like he died like, like right right, right around
1: the same time yeah yeah,
2: yeah. He, I forget the he used a single word which is which was probably a good word but
0: uh, 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 but it was, it was it,
2: it was uh-huh. it was another guy from the site who wrote and he wrote, it was weird on the Roger Ebert site because first a guy wrote an article um, saying trying to decide whether or not the movie was a hoax or a joke. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's, I'm I'm happy for, you know, people to entertain whatever ideas they want, but he hadn't seen the movie. Oh. (laughs) Mm. So he was using other clues. Oh, that's weird. You know, which is, you know, an awesome,
0: well, was uh, it a review? Not, not exactly. That's strange. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like you'd have to watch the film to make to write a review about it. Well, the...
2: it wasn't exactly... It was an attempt... Well, you know, I, I kind of love it, actually. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. It was an attempt to understand whether the movie was a joke or whether the movie was serious by someone who hadn't seen it, but who had read about it and, uh-huh. and, and right. looked at other stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the conclusion? Oh.
1: Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get a straight answer. No, it's not that you're not going to get it's a straight like answer. It's his, his, uh, his, yeah, his version. version. I
2: think he thought it was a joke. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think.
1: Um,
2: he also thought my name was Robert.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> That's, That's it. I think someone pointed this out. It might have been Bill that pointed it out. Everything in room 237, there's no... Uh, footage that is not taken from something either the movie or from something else where as from hell you do have the live action scene There's live action in 237 there is live action
2: oh yeah and there's animation
1: there's a, definitely animation i'm trying to remember what are the live action well, scenes well there's a i'm sorry
0: no no tell you if uh, you remember uh, you go you i tell was them. just I'm, sorry. I'm like let me let me answer this one, Okay. I, maybe this is just, is there's just there's just there's a point when a uh, 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 reenactment of, of oh, uh, the cans. of the can of the calumet can oh, is right, going yeah. up. yep that's yeah, one yeah. that's one so uh-huh.
2: There's a, um, there is a sort of dignified butler who holds out a postcard, uh-huh. an invita- the invitation uh-huh. to yeah. the New Year's Eve party. Uh-huh. There That's is right. um,
0: a hand opening up a box of DVDs that had just come oh. from Amazon. Right when he orders 2001 and yeah uh, the Shining and on the DVD yeah, yeah. so there's there's a, okay I there's mean some, it's yeah. not a lot yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but there's a couple okay I I, c- I mean maybe I heard that wrong or that was something the strange. reason the Calumet can stood out for me uh, was I was wondering if that was you in it putting <laughs> the can up is that you yeah that's me <laughs> is it well yeah I, I mean it was it was and it was shot in my garage oh <laughs> yeah sweet yeah, yeah. nailed it yeah. Um, because uh, my dad grew up in Calumet, oh, all Indiana. Right. There's a little side synchronicity. Yeah, a little side note to that movie, that movie has a way of generating them. Well, that book too. I mean, did did you read the book? Oh, Pri- sure. Yeah, prior to to making the doc-
2: or midway through it.
0: Oh, okay. I kind of. I you know I kind of the Stephen King. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah Stephen yeah. King. Yeah, version. And then you, I like that you do mention the um, 217 versus the 237. I'm glad that you put that in there, because I, I also just read an interview, and you may have gotten it from the same interview, I don't know, but an interview, a uh, uh, f- uh, Stanley Kubrick interview where they talk about The Shining. He mentions that the hotel asked him to change the number.
2: Yeah, no, I have I've re- uh, I read that interview. I don't think there's an audio. No, mm-hmm. I read it, yeah. I yeah, yeah, no, well. I to- no, I totally read it. And, you know, it was funny, like, you know, me and Tim would try to, Piece it a piece it together, and Jay called up the hotel and asked if there was a room two three seven or a room two seventeen. I think he asked if there was a two seventeen, and they said no. At this point, you know, a couple years out now, I don't remember the details, but as we were trying, as, as as we were, you know, trying to investigate the story, everything I had had multiple possibilities. You know, like on the one hand, the story that Kubrick told about changing the room. Could be true. It could also not be true. You know, it could be that he changed it for some other reason. Right. Um, even if it is true, you know, it, and for me, I guess I've seen that interview and I've heard a conference There's been some other newer confirmation more recently, even though it's a, pr- it's a pretty small detail. Um, I was skeptical of that story. Because on the one hand, I'm like, "What does he give the manager of the hotel who he takes a helicopter <laughs> exterior of, like script approval?" Yeah, right, right. You know, um, since when? But that's you know, interesting. Arguably, dude read the book. Um, of course, you know, a follow-up question could be: There is an almost infinite number of other numbers he could have picked besides two seventeen and two three seven. Just beca- you know, two three seven is not the only number that's not. Two seventeen. That is true. <laughs> if you want, to, if 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 if, if, if you want room two thirty five, there's a room two eighteen. Yeah, there's a room three seventeen. Is right. it a
1: prime number? Are they prime numbers? I feel like two thirty seven, but probably both of those. It's I certainly
2: think. an unsymmetrical number. Yeah, yeah that
1: is
0: true.
2: You know, and and it, you know, and you know, there there are lots of ideas, but what that about what that number could mean. But you know, I think we were we were overthinking the. Both the Kubrick interview about the hotel manager, but also, you know, Jay calling up the hotel. And it's like, well, they might have told him the truth. Right. They might have also have said, I'm sick of these Shining fans right. calling about that room. Yeah. Or, and could have some untrue story, which is their new policy. Uh-huh. They could have been messing with him. Right. Um, you know, so there, there's just almost an infinite possibilities of explanations and counter explanations but i'm going to go back to the simplest one being if it's true and it's probably true that the hotel said we don't want there to be a to be a stigma about one of the rooms in our hotel um he still could have picked a ton of there's something about that number Mm -hmm. 237 that he liked
0: You can find Room 237 and The Nightmare on Netflix. Thanks for listening. You can find episodes of SUPDOC on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Please subscribe, review, and rate. For show notes or more about Paco and George's appearances, visit SUPDOCpodcast.com. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SUPDOCpodcast. We'd also like to thank Documentary News for their continued support. Please check out DocumentaryNews.com. This show is produced by Will Scoville and our theme music by David Siegel.